Logic, the place for no holes barred, informative and entertaining banter. I'm your host, Chris, and I'm in the studio with AJ. What's going on, y'all? You know what it is. Every week, I'm just glad to be back, man. Thank you very much for writing in, giving us some things you want to hear about, giving us some things to think about ourselves. Uh, we got a great response from the last show, so we'll definitely bring some more stuff like that to you in the future. Uh, I just want to go ahead and introduce our guest for today. You know him. Who is it, y'all? It's DeShane, baby. He's back. What a vacation. I'm telling you, it was lovely, but I was miserable being away from all of you all. Hey, I've been keeping up with the podcast. You guys continue to amaze not only myself, but everyone that pays attention to us. We appreciate you all. We love you. I'm glad to be back. Uh, maybe we should start a petition to get me to be a regular on the show. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, Chris, you you bring a very unique uh, spot to the, to the show in, in your taste in things, your education. And, you know, AJ, the same thing. Um, you know, I think the one element that's missing is the streets. That's why I come in. Ah, I wasn't aware, AJ, that dude logic was supposed to represent the streets. Here we go. Uh, I thought we were trying to bring a refined uh, conversation to the people. Uh, refined barbershop talk, if you will. Well, at but, my barbershop, they do more than... Okay, so, so basically what you're saying is that because I say that I represent streets, that I'm not a representation of dude logic? Is that what you're saying? We'll let the people speak for us. Anyone who's listening, should <laughs> DeShane be a co-host or should we keep him as just a regular commentator on the show? Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> yeah. Personally, I can only deal with you so much, man. So, uh, you know. Okay, first of all, <laughs> as the elder in this group, okay, I got secrets on everybody. We have secrets on each other. I think mine are more daunting because this, I know a little bit look, more. I don't think this, the secret, this is what's going to happen, man. I, you have secrets on me and Chris. I have secrets on you and Chris. Chris has secrets on the two of us. We can play this game, and it's just going to turn into a nuclear all-out warfare, and Fallout will cover the entire Earth. And no one will survive. Nah. Or we can just pretend that we don't know each other's secrets <laughs> and keep them secrets. How about that? You know what? That's how I vote. I'm all out. I'm all for a nuclear fallout. Some people just want the whole world to come down <laughs> in a glorious place. Like if I'm going down, you're going down with me, huh? Hey, the way I see it, there's no reason for some people to wonder what that juicy secret could be. Follow me on Twitter. You might just get some insight into the mind of Chris and AJ individually. <laughs> gotcha. All mm -hmm. right. Switching gears here. The NFL is trying to penalize the use of racial slurs, particularly the N-word, on the field. Your thoughts? This has got to be the dumbest thing the NFL has done since the consideration of getting rid of the extra point. Is okay. You're playing a game. It's emotional. It's heated. Feelings are involved. Things are said. I don't think that uh, they should penalize players for that. Uh, if that's the case, they should do the same in, in basketball. They should do it for people throwing their hands up or getting mad at a bad call. 
in baseball, if a player throws his helmet or breaks his bat over his leg, it should be treated with the same aggression, but it's not going to be. So ultimately, in a game where energy and, and anger and aggression are welcomed and actually preached, I don't think that they should penalize someone if they drop an N-bomb or any other racial slur during the game. Players like Carolina Panthers wide receiver Steve Smith, who is one of Chris's favorite uh, fantasy football players, by the way, uh, spit in a, in a, in a D'Angelo Hall's face when he was with the Falcons. The most he got was a, a slap on the wrist, a fine. He should have been suspended for that because in the streets, if you spit on somebody, guess what? That's assault. You're going to jail. Yeah, that's true. That is true. This is how I feel about this rule. I have absolutely no problem with it. But the only issue that I, I could see coming up is that it's not enforced across the board. Uh, my issue is that no racial slurs should be used on the football field of any kind, period. You know, and honestly, uh, cursing of any kind, I'd be fine if you find every single person that decides to use curse words on the field. That's not a problem for me. Um, just make sure that you take that rule and enforce it across the board. See, this is the problem. Anytime they bring a new rule to the NFL, certain referees decide they want to enforce it. Others decide they don't want to enforce it. And that's where the issue comes. Just make sure that there is consistency across the board, and it's fine with me. Okay, here, here's my issue. And I know, Chris, after I'm done, I, I definitely want to hear your insight on this. My, my issue is the consistency of the rules that are in place already. The NFL has made this big push on safety and, and wanting to keep mainly their quarterback safe. But uh, as we've seen, there have been a lot of helmet-to-helmet -helmet hits that have been called that should not have been. Um, they, they changed the outcome of games. And I feel like something as minute as words being said in a game where, let's be serious, AJ, you and I have played football. We've been on the line. I've had people grabbing at my scrotum. I've had people trying to punch me in the stomach during a play. That's not right. That's not what the game is about. But it's what they do to try to gain an advantage. And I feel like the NFL, in, in potentially putting this rule into effect, will create an even bigger bias throughout the league because, as you mentioned, A.J., some some referees don't enforce things equally. But my thing is, does that mean that every player is mic'd up? Do you add more microphones to try to catch people doing it so that you find them? What is going to be the ballot of consistency when it comes to enforcing this rule? And that's been my biggest issue with the league is that they're not as consistent as they should be with certain things. And sometimes with the rules that they make, they're game changers when they shouldn't be. What do you think, Chris? Well, I think that the league is not necessarily as as good with enforcing rules that are not necessarily as subjective as hearing someone say a racial slur. An example is the Seattle Seahawks. They were one of the most penalized teams in the league this year. And particularly on offense, you know, in offensive penalties where basically their offensive line sucked and they were always offsides. But Pretty if much. you looked at their defensive penalties... A lot of a very large chunk of their defensive penalties was defensive offsides and pass interference. And one of the things that people have said about the Seahawks is that they are cheaters because they interfere on every single snap. If you look at their big cornerbacks, they push and pull and tug at the receivers every single snap. And their strategy is that if they do it every single snap, they know that the league isn't going to call it on every single snap. So why not take the opportunity to try to rough up those receivers at the line of scrimmage when you know it's not going to get called every snap? If you get 
many pass interference penalties called, called on you, that's fine. But you're going to rough up those receivers and you're going to make them not want to go. So when you look at pass interference and how it's not evenly called, and then you think about, that's something that's pretty objective. You can see with your eyes whether or not there's pass interference, especially if there's contact past five yards, right? Correct. But then something that's so subjective as hearing someone say the N-word. Yeah, what if, what, if, what if I'm in the stands and I'm right behind the bench and for whatever reason it's dead silence in the stadium and I start on a tangent and I use words and it just happened to be two players lined up on that side. Do the referees have the, the, the training necessary to differentiate between what they're hearing in the stands and what they're hearing on the field? And then again, what if you get in a situation where there's a play after the whistle? How many times have we seen pushing and shoving and fighting after the whistle? And how bad does it have to get before they throw a flag? And I'm sure words are being exchanged in that scuffle. So now you're saying, essentially, hey, we don't want you to do these things, but if you do, here's the penalty. I, I just think that they need to be more consistent across the board with the rules that they have in place before they start trying to add new ones. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, I think you just touched on a point. Since Roger Goodell has become commissioner of the NFL, I feel like they've added 50 more rules to the rule book every season coming in. And because of that, there has been inconsistency in how calls have been made throughout the seasons for the past at least three seasons running. Uh, it seems like every year there's some play that will bring into existence some new rule. Look, just get back to the original rules of football and play the game. It's a rough game. Let people be rough. Man up and keep it moving, right? Stop getting upset because somebody puts their hands on you. Get their hands off you, make a play. I think there's way too many rules in football now. If it doesn't serve to protect players, it doesn't make any sense to me. But even the rules they have in place to protect players, like the helmet to helmet, how many times have we seen a player start his tackle motion and he's at a player's shoulder or chest, and then that player ducks crunches up as i call it the old please don't hit me move and they duck low enough to where it becomes helmet to helmet and then they get a flag like for me that's not fair because my intent was never to go helmet to helmet but the receiver folded up so now i'm stuck with a penalty and i've cost my team 15 yards when it wasn't even my fault never his fault because his name is Deshane from ATL. <laughs> um, I just, I mean, what do you think, Chris? Like, again, I, I think that they have to be more consistent in what they have in place before they can start trying to add additional things such as 15-yard penalties for racial slurs. I think the NFL should take a business approach and have a third party sit in the booths with the other officials and the replay officials and really calculate in one season across the board, how efficient the NFL is in calling the plays that need to be called for penalties and compare that and see how consistent they are. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, have an independent review of sorts Yeah. of the callings, yeah. Because if you're inconsistent in the things you have in place, how can you be adding more rules to only add to the sea of inconsistencies? Everyone remembers the Seattle. Was it Seattle Green Bay? The last play in the end zone with the the replacement referees. Yeah. Touchdown uh, interception. Like, how do you? <laughs> that was for me. That was the biggest black eye in the NFL. 
uh, to Barry Bonds and the steroid scandal in baseball. Hmm. Uh, it gets no worse than that. And then you're adding these rules that are arbitrary. So if a referee thinks that he heard someone use the N-word and throws a flag, can it be reviewed? Can it be challenged? No. Which means that you're putting more of the game's ultimate control in the hands of the referees and the umpiring staff when it should be in the hands of the players on the field. Yeah. That's my two cents. <laughs> all right, gentlemen. We've been looking forward to this main topic all week. I know I have. The main topic. Check my foot work. Huh? <laughs> hey, hey, I got something you for you. got these. The main topic is called Check My Kick Game. We're going to be talking mm. about historical shoes. We're going to be talking about the shoes for the right job, what what shoes every man should own, and a special segment on to shine or not to shine. So I got something for you. This is going to be lovely. You know, people are always... All right, let me jump in real quick. Hey, being from the South, being from the ATL, home of the dope boy Freshers, let me be honest with you real quick. There's one shoe that every man has to have in his collection, whether it's low top, high top, it doesn't matter. And it has to be an all white. I'm talking about those Nike Air Force Ones. Every man has to have at least one pair, whether it's low top or high top, in the collection. I used to work for Foot Locker. I used to know cats that would come in and drop $1,600 in cash for me to hold 18 pairs of shoes. In a collection that comes through a shipment, you might get about 12 to 16 pair. They're dropping major dough to hold on to these shoes. And I'm going to be honest with you, Air Force Ones have not held the same hype that they had in the early 2000s, but I got a feeling they're going to make a comeback for the simple fact that they've kind of fallen off and people have forgotten about them. But Air Force Ones is an absolute must. They're right up there with the West Coast Chuck Taylors. I rest my case. All right, so we got eight. We got AF Ones being one of the must owns for men. What's another must own shoe for men? Uh, this is AJ, and uh, you know what? Must own shoe. I I gotta go with some classics, man. We're talking about a tennis shoe, Chuck Taylors, man. I don't care if it's low top, high top, whatever it is. If I'm just kicking it around, give me some Chuck T's. Now, I'm going to have a grown man conversation with you out here, and I, and I hope you appreciate that I'm able to do this on Dude Logic. But honestly, you will never see me wear a pair of Jordans in my life. You will never see me wearing some Kanyeezys, some Yeezy, whatever. I don't know. I don't care. I don't wear I don't care about the kryptonite, Nike, what have you. Look, have you ever... Had a pair of wingtips? Have you ever gone and got a nice Italian leather dress shoe and put a suit on it? There is nothing. As you know what? Go ahead and ask these women out here what's more attractive, a man wearing some, some Jordan 11s or a man wearing some nice dress shoes with a suit. You tell me. If you don't have some authentic 
leather dress shoes that you put some real thought and effort into, then you are not a grown man. Period. Hmm. Strong words, Chris. Strong. Strong words, sir. So, would you say then that some long wings would be a necessary shoe for men? Long wings? Yeah. Is that what yeah, long wings. Yeah, I, I I would have no issue with that at all. Okay. Um, I mean, you know it's a pretty what? versatile shoe, a pretty conservative type thing that you can use for business or pleasure purposes. You know, hush puppies always go well. Okay. Uh, I, 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 let me jump in. I know another brand that, that's kind of stepped their game up, Skechers. Um, they make a very good uh, waterproof slip resistant shoe. Okay. And, you know, for people that work in a kitchen environment or people that work in, say, a valet where you're exposed to the elements, it's definitely a brand and a shoe that that is both comfortable, durable, and helps keep you from from uh, causing yourself major headache and injury. Uh, and you know, Skechers aren't really known for that type of shoe, but they make a very good uh, water resistant, slip resistant shoe. You know, it's one of my favorites out there right now, Chris. What's that? Cole Haan and Nike have paired together to come up with an amazing shoe. Yes, they have. Uh, comes in several varieties, several different colors, several different styles. Um, but you get a nice dress shoe with a comfortable Nike sole that will allow you to wear a shoe all day, every day, and not have any foot issues. I think that was a smart move by both companies to partner together and come up with something that was extremely versatile and will fit in any environment. Here's one of the issues that I had. The last job I had, I worked for a company. I won't mention its name because I don't want them coming after me legally because I know a lot of their secrets. Bottom line, you know, you're out in the elements. You're out on your feet 8, 10, 12 plus hours a day, okay? And if you're in management, supervisory position, you have to be in a suit and tie. Now, uh, what is an appropriate shoe for a suit and tie when you're on your feet exposed to the elements 8 plus hours a day? Most people would think you'd be okay with wear sneakers, right? Wrong. They want you to wear dress shoes. And dress shoes, as we all know, are good for about two to three hours, depending on, you know, if you have inserts, things of that nature. But ultimately, you got to be comfortable. If, if I have to chase after people or vehicles or whatever the situation is, I need a shoe that can respond to the demands of the job. And trying to wear the hybrid shoes, just it didn't work. So I think with, with the, the shoe that AJ just mentioned, the Skechers were pretty comfortable. I think you, you, you start to see that businesses also understand that, you know what, what we were doing before, what we were putting out for the line of work that people have to be in wasn't enough. And I'm glad that they're doing that because AJ can attest to this as he and I worked together before. He wore the wrong type of shoes and lost feeling in his toes for like six months. <laughs> And it was all because he wore the wrong shoes and was stuck in them for like a 10-hour shift. And his body clearly rejected that shoe type. And it took his body a while to recuperate from that. And he's one person. Imagine if you're in a work environment where you're constantly moving around, moving and running and moving, walking, running. Like, it takes a toll on the body. So it is, I think you have to have a shoe that's, that is a true definition of hybrid, a crossbreed between dress and comfort and the comfort of a tennis shoe. It gives you a professional look, 
but it gives you the comfort of having a sneaker on. Would you also say that you need insoles? Yes. Is that something that, yeah, because I know a lot of men, I mean, they just kind of get the shoes, buy them at the store, and buy, and go ahead and put them on. But an insole is something that you may need, depending on your foot curvature. Hey, I'm going to sound like a paid advertisement right now, but I think it's true. I just went to Walmart the other day and tried the Dr. Show's foot machine. Right. And found out what my, I'm a 440, which is like the highest number there is. I have a very low arch and high foot pressure. I knew that. But it was weird seeing it on the machine because they have you do various things. You don't just stand there. Like they have you balance on one foot and lean forward so that there's pressure on your ball or your, on the ball of your foot. And then they have you uh, lean back so that there's pressure on the heel to get a true estimate of what your foot feels like when you're on it for hours at a time. And to find out that I was a 440 was amazing because I'm like, although the inserts are $50, I tried some on and I I felt like I was walking in sand. It I'm was beautiful. Sorry. Hey, if you need to go see a podiatrist, I definitely suggest it. If you feel like you are walking unevenly, if you feel like um, sometimes the ground may be, may be sinking under you, or even if you may feel slight strain in your calves or in your ankles, I would say go see a podiatrist, man. I got some custom orthotics made for tennis shoes and dress shoes, and dude, it works wonders. Absolutely. There's, not, there's nothing like having, and you know what? I'm not even going to lie. If you need temporary relief while you're trying to do that, the Dr. Scholl's inserts, the, are you gelling? Let me tell you something. I've worn the gel out of some damn inserts, but they did the job while they were intact. If that's what you have to do temporarily until you can figure out what's going on, so be it. But it's definitely something that has to happen. Men, please, please, please do not ignore your feet because I'm telling you, whether you know it or not, the problems in your feet can stem from your knees to your back. And having the right inserts in your shoes can alleviate those problems. I'm not only speaking from experience, but I'm telling you because I've seen it develop in the workplace. Don't ignore the signs. So, guys, in terms of other shoes that men should have in their closets, what do you think of penny loafers? A nice you pair of penny what? loafers. I'm not even going to lie. I think every man should have at least one pair because you never know when you're going to need to break out the casual shoes. And every man, I think there are three types of shoes that you should always have. You should always have your dress shoes. They could be patent leathers. They could be your black wingtips, whatever. You got to have your black or brown. You got to have your dress shoe. You have to have a casual shoe, and I think that's where the penny loafers come in, and I think they can be very, very useful as a casual shoe. And you also have to have your, I call it your runner slash uh, sneaker shoe. You always have to have at least something in the collection in case you want to go run and shoot hoops or to wear with your jeans. So I think, and I'll ask you, uh, AJ and Chris, do you think that those three styles would be the quote-unquote trifecta of basicness in terms of what you should have in your closet i think you gotta have man you know what if you don't have any other shoe in your in your in your closet you gotta have one good athletic shoe you gotta have a brown dress shoe a black dress shoe that can get you through a little bit of everything and uh a good a good utility boot you know hiking boot something that you can you can walk in the elements with uh, if you only have four pair of shoes in your closet. So as far as tennis shoes are concerned, if you're working out, I'm a big fan of the, the barefoot running sh style shoes, whether it's the Vibrams, the five finger shoes, or you're doing something like a New Balance Minimus, 
anything that keeps you low to the ground, keeps you on an even foot plane, and uh, doesn't cause you to have any overpronation or under uh, underpronating is is going to be a great shoe. Comfort is utmost importance. I am not wearing a shoe that hurts my foot. If it hurts your foot, it means you are doing something wrong to your body. Period. If a shoe is a tennis shoe that cost $200 just because somebody's name is on it, I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. Michael Jordan has enough money. <laughs> he does. I don't need to, to feed into that. I'm, I, I refuse. I'm not going to... Look, man, there are people out here who are literally struggling to pay their rent because they decided to buy a shoe they know they shouldn't buy. What about you, Chris? What, what do you think would be the... The Mount Rushmore of shoes, so to speak, that a man has to have in his closet to not only be versatile, but to handle any situation that may be presented before him. All right. Well, I think that the basic to have a basic canvas shoe is nice because it can get you through sort of like the summer vacation type thing. But it's almost like a tennis shoe. Okay. So it can kind of be matched towards those different types of outfits, whether or not you want to wear khakis or whether or not you want to wear jeans. In terms of dress shoes, I agree with AJ, a black and a brown shoe. But you also want to have a black belt and a brown belt. You want to match those belts with those shoes. Correct. Another thing that's really good to have, um, I think, work-type boots or something that can get you through the elements, but then also the type of dress boot. And that's something that's kind of understated, to have a dress boot that you can wear ah. with dress clothes, but then you can also wear it with things like khakis or whatnot. And it gives you kind of that dressy feel, but it is much more comfortable than a dress shoe. Um, you know what, Chris? My up? favorite pair of shoes in my closet is an Italian leather dress boot that has a wing tip and is uh, two-tone brown. Okay. I can wear it with just about any color. I can wear it with jeans. I can wear it with khakis. I can wear it with slacks. I can wear it with a cuff. I can, I can wear it with my my pants hanging over the boot, so it appears to be a loafer. It gives you so much so much diversity in what you can and cannot do with your wardrobe, and there is no situation that I can't wear it in, besides in the gym. Right. There's another shoe that I really like though. And it's for more casual type situations, but because I'm in a lot of professional environments and I, and I need to not be extremely casual, the shoe I normally go with is the boat shoe. Ah, good choice. So, Maybe. I mean, I think in order for you to have kind of a good variety of shoes, stuff that you can mix and match with different types of outfits, those are the ones that you really want. I agree. Uh, you know, the the one element that we've kind of brought up that I think we don't really uh, address too much is the dress boot. When I used to uh, have to do security, you know, we, we were required to wear boots, but they had to be steel toe boots. Um, almost similar to uh, the same style that police wear. Police wear steel toe boots. And uh, the one boot that I wore that I fell in love with was the Wolverine. And for whatever reason, it felt like a sneaker on the inside, but it gave me the, the, the strength and durability I needed and support to handle the type of job that I was working at the time. And I know that a lot of people that work in construction, um, 
that's kind of where Wolverine and other steel toe type boots have, have made their, their mark, but they were black and mid top. So I could wear them with jeans because they were covered the boot. I could wear them with slacks or khakis. I mean, it wasn't just a work shoe. Uh, and I mean, the look of it was had mesh siding. So it breathed well, you know, I never took my shoes off and my feet were soaking wet. Like it was a great shoe. And I think that that's something that uh, should be consistent in a man's wardrobe in terms of what's in his closet is a universal dress boot. Okay. You know, another thing that's understated that I think should be in a man's closet is an accessory that goes with those shoes, and particularly the dress shoes. You need a shoe shining kit, man. Yes. There, there, is, not, there is one thing... I don't think there's one thing that I hate more than seeing a really nice pair of dress shoes with scuff marks all over. Or, or being, you know, from because I was in management having to interview people, you have a very sharp suit, well put together, and then you have dusty shoes. Yeah. You take away from the whole element of getting in a full suit by having those dusty shoes. And you know what's funny? You mentioned that. In some prominent neighborhoods, in their shopping centers and stores, they would have a shoe shiner. And it's a part of a very rare breed now because most people have those instant shoe shine kits and things they could buy from Walmart or other shoe stores, pay less, things of that nature. But I would really like to see the return of the shoe shiners. They're prominent out at Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson International Airport and at Underground. Um, and at Lenox Mall. I think those are the, the main places that I've seen them, and I know that they're there. But I would like to see a return to that because I think it takes a certain person to be able to take pride in making someone's shoes look nice, but then at the same time, you know, as the individual that's dressed, you also have to know that your complete suit, your complete look includes the accessories, the belt, the shirt, the tie, the shoes. All of that ties into your overall appearance. You can't have everything right, crisp, cut, and then you get to your shoes and they're dusty like you've been playing in dirt. Gentlemen out there, if you do not know this, uh, you're welcome. Uh, but women will literally look at your shoes and sum you up just that fast. If you don't have a nice pair of shoes on, if your shoes look dusty, dirty, scuffed up, chewed up, chewed up, worn heel you're rolling over the side of your heel they're speaking they're winking look it really does not cost that much to go to a cobbler and get your shoes taken care of the beautiful thing about a good leather shoe is that it will last you forever if you condition it the appropriate way thank you to my grandfather uh for teaching me at a young age how to put some shoe polish on a shoe and take a shoe that looks otherwise destroyed and turn it into a new shoe again. Uh, you know, my grandfather was a military man. He was in the army, career in the army, and I know how to spit shine a shoe. And that's something that I definitely plan on teaching my child how to do, my sons in the future. Uh, you know, another thing that I want to go ahead and add to the uh, equation, Chris, is, you know, like you said earlier, you have to have accessories to go with the shoes. Now, if you're if you're having a, a brown shoe, you need to have a brown belt that matches. Absolutely. Uh, but I think I wanted to go ahead and just say there's another thing that every man should have as far as accessories is concerned, and that's a nice watch collection and a nice tie collection. You could have an average off-the-rack suit and shirt, 
But if you have the right tie, the right shoes, the right belt, and the right watch, you've just made yourself look like an, a superstar. Exactly. And one thing I will say to add to that, AJ, is something that our friend Fonsworth Bentley also speaks about. Pocket squares to match those ties. Chips. Correct. Yes, absolutely. Yes. When That's I what can differentiate you. When I buy a tie, I will not buy a tie if it does not have a pocket square for me to be able to fold and place in my jacket pocket. I will not. You know what, gentlemen? Uh, one of the things that can help you, even if you don't have a color-coded pocket square, it is hard to go wrong with a plain white pocket square. Absolutely. You can get it at Walmart. Walmart has them target anywhere you go should have some plain white pocket squares. You can put it in your jacket, take it with you, and add a little bit of style and elegance to anything you put on. And here's another clue that my uh, father, grandfather gave me as a young, a young buck. A gentleman should always have an extra pocket square or handkerchief on him, just in case a young lady is in need of such handkerchief. Absolutely. And gentlemen, you can go online, figure out different ways to fold your pocket squares to make you stick out from the others. You also need to carry a pen with you at all times. <laughs> hey, Where we get that from, Chris? We got that one from Morehouse. Yes, <laughs> Absolutely. <sir. laughs> always carry a pen. Gentleman you know always has a pen on him. You know what? Word, word of, of uh, wise, wise advice from my late father. A man should always be like a Boy Scout. What does that mean, Dad? A man should always be prepared. What does that mean, Dad? You should always have a pen. Why? How silly would it look if she wants to write down her number for you and you have nothing for her to write it with? Mm. Okay, what if you need to take down directions or the number for someone you're looking for? There are various reasons why you should do it. So instead of asking, well, why should I do that? If you're being given the advice, take it. I did. It's come in handy for me. I'm sure, Chris, there are things that you could have missed out on in life if you didn't have a readily accessible pen on hand. Absolutely. Every guy wants that movie moment where the girl takes his pen and his hand and writes down her number. And how flashy is it when you reach inside your yellow pale pocket and you pull out a nice pen? I mean, just just think about that motion. It's so smooth. Oh, it's beautiful. It's, it's very it's suave. Sophisticated, debonair, if you will. And this is the thing. Gentlemen, invest in a good pen. It doesn't have to cost you an arm and a leg. But if you pull out a nice ink pen rather than a Bic or some pen you picked up at some restaurant that you went to <laughs> the, the out, your, out your pocket, <laughs> you know, something with a little bit of style, it goes a long way. Hey, the women, G2 jails. Women pay attention to the details. That That's one thing that I have definitely picked up in this lifetime. I'm not going to ever claim that I know everything or anything about women, uh, but... I have noticed in my dealings with them that they focus on the details. When you pay attention to the details, women will pay attention to you. Absolutely. So, gentlemen, this is not necessarily about just kicks, but this is about your entire package, how from head to toe you can make yourself presentable in every situation. So how about more casual wear we're talking about dress shoes and we're talking about dress clothes but more casual wear if you're wearing say some boat shoes you're wearing some nice boots uh you're wearing some nice canvas shoes or even some tennis shoes how can you accessorize to that 
you know what? For me, it all starts with the shoes. Uh, you know, you can put any any outfit together, i.e. shirt, pants. But for me, it starts with the shoes. You have to know what kind of shoes you're going to wear that determine everything else. It determines the belt. It determines the watch. Uh, if you're really in attention to detail, it can determine the hat that you wear. It can determine the type of pin that you have with you. Um, all because you want to offset. For me, I always like to take the contrasting colors. If I have something that's two-tone or something that's multicolor, I'm going to take that color that is the rarest or the smallest amount, and that is what I accessorize with to help accentuate that color to bring it out. That's just me. It doesn't work in everything, but usually that's, that's the thought process that I go through uh, when it comes to accessorizing and how I do it. All right, so similar to what we're talking about with the shoe polish on your dress shoes and on your dress boots, get some white shoe polish, especially if you're going to own a white pair of Air Force Ones. Nothing I like seeing less than a scuffed pair of Air Force Ones, man. If they're scuffed, you have to burn them. Pretty much. <laughs> like, seriously, like, I don't, like, when I was working at Foot Locker, nobody bought Air Force Ones in a single pair. You always bought two pair. Like Nelly said, you always buy two pair. You got your everyday pair, and then you got your backups, because at some point, you are going to run into a situation where somebody's going to scuff it, or you're going to get them damaged, whether it's, you know, you're wearing them out at the club, which is a mistake, and you get a drink dropped on them for whatever reason. There's always going to be something that happens, so if you're going to buy a pair of all-white shoes, the minimum that you should buy is two pair. And that's to save yourself the headache of trying to salvage a pair if you get a black scuff mark or something on them that won't easily come off or be covered. First off, I got to give a shout out to an old friend of ours, Chris, your former freshman roommate in Morehouse College. <laughs> I've never seen a man keep a pair of Air Force Ones white as long as this gentleman did. He was meticulous. He never wore Every single time this man wore him, wore them, he'd come back. Take the toothbrush. Toothbrush, to him. absolutely. And the white polish, and make sure it was spotless by the time he was done. You inspired me with the way you took care of your Air Force One, sir. But this is what goes back to why I choose. You know what I'm saying? Air Force Ones. Yeah, it's a Southern classic, and I mean, at some point, it became you know a classic all across the country. But this is one of the reasons why you will catch me in some some Chuck T's before you'll ever catch me in the Air Force Ones. I don't have to worry about whether or not my Chuck T's get stuffed, uh, scuffed, excuse me. Uh, in fact, it only adds character to the Chuck Taylor All-Stars when you scuff them. They aren't real All-Stars until they got a couple layers of dirt on them. I mean, ask the real hipsters, man, who've been wearing the same Chuck T's for 10 years, got the little hole in the bottom of the shoe, still <laughs> rocking them. That's, that's, how, that's how you know a real Chuck Taylor wears. <laughs> I, and they're less expensive than some uh, Air Force Ones, and there's nothing wrong with being thrifty. Yeah, exactly. We at Dude Logic don't... We are not proponents of spending your hard-earned cash to get Air Force Ones before paying bills or anything like that. Handle your business first and then get your shoes, man. But there are various low-cost alternatives to the nice wingtip Oxfords and things like that that we can get. That'll give Let me tell us you the a same secret. type of flair. Let me tell you a secret. And, and you know, people, we get caught up too many times in, in fashion and things of that nature. Growing up, let me tell you something. I was not a kid that had the Jordans. The best pair of shoes I ever had growing up was a pair of Deion Sanders. Okay, and I'm telling my age here. But outside of that, 
um, everyone else was real big on Jordans, right? And my father bought me a pair of Wayne Gretzky's. They were high tops. I looked at my father. I said, what are you thinking buying me these shoes in first my mind? Off, first off, I got to cut you off. Best pair of shoes you ever had with a Ken Griffey Jr. baseball cleat, sir. <laughs> this is true. But in terms of everyday kicks, I didn't understand my father's logic in buying me these high top Wayne Gretzky's. I thought it was a, a huge waste. And you know what? It, I became a fashion guru because no one else was wearing them. It was crazy. It was a shoe that I thought was the worst decision ever. And it turned out to get me more positive attention than anything simply because not everyone else had them. They were like, man, what are those? I was like, well, he's a Wayne Grace. He's like, what? The hockey player? <laughs> also started my love for hockey. So, you know, rest is so my father's no longer here. But it's amazing how he can make decisions. And unbeknownst to me, it turned out to be the better decision for me. So, yeah, I agree. Don't get caught up in the hype of the Jordans and the Air Force Ones. You can find you some nice low uh, low end shoes that give you the same amount of quality for a third of the price. Yep. So D, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that I, I was definitely looking forward to doing was going having a historical perspective on shoes and talking about some of those shoes that you know are throwback classics, things that they are iconic shoes. Well, I, I think AJ's talked about them already, and I know I've mentioned them. Chuck Taylor's, yeah. uh, I, I think, are some of the most iconic shoes of all time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, your your uh, Shell Toe Adidas. Yeah, love them. You know, it's kind of ironic. Uh, I was looking at uh, VH1, and they were going over the uh, greatest songs in the 90s. And in part of the commentary, and they were talking about music, they talked about shoes and how certain shoes were iconic to the music at that time. And... The number one shoe that was going around at the time were Chuck Taylors. But like we mentioned, you also have uh, the 80s era with the Shell Toe Adidas. Um, you know, you have the late 90s, early 2000s with the Air Force One push. I will never wear another pair of Shell Toe Adidas ever again in my life. I'll tell you a pair of shoes that are classics, Chris, that should be burned on sight. Reebok Classics. I call mm -hmm. them the gangster leans because after two weeks, them holes lean to the side. You walk and you're walking <laughs> on the side of the shoe. I will not. I refuse to wear a single. I refuse to wear Reeboks. Period. Because Reeboks have always hurt my feet. I don't know how people can do it. Did you all uh, have any Reebok pumps? Yeah. Yeah. Man, I had the Bo look. I had the Charles Barkleys. Oh. Bo Jacksons. The Bo Jacksons. Everybody had them bows. I had them Bo Jangles, man. Uh, <laughs> nah, but um, like real. What about the 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 Nike Air Max straps ones? Like, wait, oh, you yeah. had the interchangeable straps. Oh, yeah, I had those. I remember those. I had those. Didn't have them, but I remember them. Again, I had, I had the rainbow joints, too, back in the day. Like I said, the hottest shoe I had was, was the Deion Sanders. Yeah. The, the, um, I, and I had the, the, Atlanta, I had the Atlanta Falcon color ones. You had the prime times. I didn't have the, the Sanders because he had two pairs. Mm -hmm. You had a black, white, and gold pair, and then you had a red, white, and gold pair. And that was really for the two teams that he was representing at that time. He had just ended with Atlanta and was out in San Francisco. So it was ironic that his shoe colors matched the teams that he had played for. But um, what are some other iconic shoes that have been out there? Man, let me uh, let me go ahead and talk about the same era as the Chuck T's and one of my favorites still to this day, man. I call them the Sandlots. 
them PF Flyers, the Benny Jet, <laughs> Benny the Jet Rodriguez. <laughs> Yo, if you can rock some Chuck T's, man, you can rock some PF Flyers. And in my opinion, honestly, PF Flyers might be a hair more comfortable. Just a hair. Yo, but if we're talking about shoes, man, it's gotten to the point where sometimes it's just easier to get a pair of shoes online than it is to find it in stores, right? Yeah, that's true. So what's some of your favorite websites to frequent? If you're trying to purchase a shoe online. I mean, you know, you definitely got to look at Zappos, man. That's one. Uh, Overstock.com actually has a lot of nice sneakers, brand names for lower prices, man. And Yeah, that, that, I, I really feel like that was a great list of sites, Chris. But I'm going to go ahead and throw a couple other ones on there that I don't think you added. Uh, one of them I found recently and I've been a big fan of is called 6pm.com. Almost every shoe on there is a discounted price. Uh, it's got a great selection of shoes, and uh, you can find a little bit of anything on there, man. I know I found it on uh, Black Friday somehow and was able to get a pair of PF Flyers for like $15. Uh, can't go wrong with that type of value any day of the week. And um, also citysports.com, man. And, you know, coming from a personal trainer, I'm always looking for some new athletic shoes because I... It's my job. It's my uniform. It's what I wear every day. Uh, I have found some great deals on CitySports.com. You know, you guys have kind of covered some of the main ones. Um, it, I'll tell you a site that's kind of <laughs> kind of bad in a sense, but, I mean, it can provide you what you're looking for. eBay. eBay is still a very viable site for you to be able to find good shoes. But, you know... Sometimes you'll find deals and shoes on some of these everyday sites, Craigslist. Uh, you'd be amazed sometimes at some of the things that people are putting up. And sometimes I catch myself asking, you know, is this legitimate? Because you wouldn't think that you would find these shoes or these type deals on these sites. So here's a question for you. <clears throat> How much is too much to spend on a pair of shoes? Oh, that's easy. If a pair of shoes equals one of my utility bills or my cell phone bill... It's too much. Basically, for me, if it costs more than $100, I'm spending too much. And even 100 can be extreme given that how the, the competitive market have driven prices to some of the lowest that we've probably seen in the last 10 to 15 years. So that, that would be my ceiling. If anything more than that, I'm not getting. So that eliminates a lot of shoes out there right now. You know, I try to equate the cost of my shoes to the cost of the clothing that I accessorize the shoes with. So, you know, if I'm talking about dress shoes, I'm going to pay a little more for a suit than I am for, you know, some khakis and a shirt. So I'll pay a little more for shoes and I'll keep that proportion the same. So, you know, you're talking about tennis shoes. Yeah, I'm not going to pay that much. I'm not going to pay more than $80 for a very nice pair of tennis shoes. Whereas dress shoes, I may go up to 150 because I know they're going to last me. A nice pair of leather dress shoes will last me for a really long time. And, you know, I know I'm going to pay a lot for, for a nice suit, uh, to get it tailored, to get a tie, a nice shirt, all that stuff. And then when you talk about stuff like boat shoes or whatnot, I'm talking about like $50 max. And that has to be a really good brand. How about you, AJ? Uh, like you, well, you know, my most expensive shoes in my in my collection are... Are dress shoes, Italian leather. Absolutely. You know, quality shoes. But these are shoes that I know I'm going to be able to wear for the next five to ten years of my life if, if I take care of them properly. And, uh, you know, besides that, 
my hiking boots, man. You know, I'm a Boy Scout. Once a Boy Scout, always a Boy Scout. And if you enjoy being out in the the, the nature and in, in nature, and you you're, you're hiking, you're camping, you're doing things of that. Hey, I got like this past weekend. I went out and I planted some trees in my dad's backyard. Guess what shoes I put on? My hiking boots. It's good general all-purpose shoes that get the job done. And if you buy the proper ones, you won't have to worry about getting another pair for a while. See, my thing is, is if you're buying a quality pair of shoes, it's not a big deal to put a whole, you know, put some money into it. Yeah. Because you know you're gonna get your your value out of them. But if it's just a tennis shoe to kick it around in, I'm not spending more than sixty dollars. <laughs> Marshalls exist, Ross exists, TJ Mark Max exists, the internet exists, things go on sale. I don't have to buy the newest, hottest pair of shoes out there. I don't mind having a pair of shoes that's two, three years old. Cause you get what I'm saying? Like, like, hey, I'm gonna go ahead and take it back to one of my favorite shows growing up, the Wayne's Brothers. <laughs> Pops, you got to coordinate. <laughs> as long as it matches the color of everything else I'm wearing, it doesn't matter how much the price tag was on it and it, it just i never saw value in putting a whole lot of money into something that's going to fall apart okay you know yeah. most tennis shoes you can't maintain like you can a good leather pair of dress shoes right this is this is what i do i'm i'm going to uh, approach this uh same question from a parental standpoint i have a 4 year old son shout out to jr um you know for him i, I always try to keep it simple i always try to get him a pair of all white sneakers, all black sneakers, and then dress shoes. Even as a child, I try to give him the the, the Mount Rushmore, so to speak, and then a, a pair of, of uh, boots of some kind. But I always try to keep the colors, you know, basic and universal because his outfits vary in color. And the worst thing that you can do as an adult or a child is to have a nice outfit and then not have the right kind of shoes or the right accessorized shoes for that outfit. I don't think you need to have 10 to 15 pairs of shoes. I think that's excessive. But you should have a variety that matches your style and your color scheme. I, I think it's safe to say, and you all can disagree with me if you like, that we all have a set color scheme in our closet. You could almost set your clothes based on the, the color layout of what you have. Um, and so as long as you have shoes that can accessorize with those colors, then you're fine. And I try to make sure that with my son, I keep it as universal as I can, just because as a child, uh, because he gets clothes from other people, things of that nature, other family members, you know, his array of colors and style is going to be very different. It's going to be very erratic, so to speak. It's not going to be set like I think uh, as we get older and we start, you know, developing love for certain colors and things of that nature, palettes, pastels. I think it sets a different tone. But for him, I make sure that I keep it as general as I can, white black and then when it comes to boots something that can be universal but yet generic well i think you talk about sort of this mount rushmore of shoes and the the point that you brought up was really good in that you have to be able to accessorize it with what you wear and accessorize it well so i think one point that we could kind of delve into a little further is when we talk about the black versus the brown especially dress shoes what are we talking about? Are we talking about a deep dark brown? Are we talking about a lighter brown? What can go well with what you have in your closet? For me, my my brown suit when I could wear it, uh, I've lost a lot of weight, so I gotta I gotta re up on the uh, 
on the accessories and, and the clothing. But my, my brown was a, a deep brown. So the type shoes, my brown shoes were actually a two-tone. My two-tone brown was a a light honey brown and then a dark uh, black bear type brown. And the reason why I preferred the two-tone shoes is it gave me the versatility of wearing them with both light brown and dark brown. I did not want to limit myself to hoping that something fit well just because my shoes are dark brown and the suit is light brown. Um, but it also tied into the type of accessories that I had as well with the ties and the belt. So for me, I think that you, you almost want to go universal and have something that's kind of two-tone of the same color to allow you that versatility so that you don't feel awkward if you happen to have a lighter or darker color compared to what's on your feet. I think that's a valid point. Uh, but you know what, man? I have more than one pair of brown shoes in my closet. I have yeah. more than one pair of black shoes in my closet. Because, uh, you know, an outfit to me is, you can't just look at the shoes. You can't just look at what the pants look like next to those shoes. You have to look at the outfit as a whole. You know, what color shirt am I wearing? What color is the suit I'm wearing? Is it a pinstripe? Is it a polka dot? Is it, you know, a solid color? Am I wearing a bow tie? Am I wearing a tie? Am I wearing a pair of glasses? If I'm wearing glasses, what frame am I choosing today? Do I have a watch? All of these things play into a total. Your whole outfit has to match and work and have some sort of synergy. Uh, so it just really depends on all of those other factors. Some people will plan an outfit around a pair of shoes. Sometimes I will do that. Other times I'll pick an outfit that I want to wear and I'll pick a pair of shoes that goes with it. You just have to make sure you have enough variety in your closet to be able to fit a little bit in any situation. It, it sounds like the census is that you, you want versatility. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to go with, you know, one pair of everything. I think we all have multiple pairs of colors of shoes in the closet, and that's because we want to ensure that we allow ourselves the ability to have options versus, oh, I can only wear this because I only have a black pair of shoes or a brown pair of shoes. Uh, I think versatility is the key. That's what makes you be able to be able to go out, buy the things that you have. And sometimes you can actually find a pair of shoes that you haven't worn in a while and be able to quote unquote, bring them back to life with an outfit. And that's dress or uh, athletic. You know what, Chris? <clears throat> At the end of the day, uh, any pair of shoes you look you put on is gonna look better with a beard. <laughs> you know, one of the um the websites and, and you know, I'm sorry I'm kind of going backwards here. Um LL Bean and Timberland. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh wow, remember East Bay back in the day? East Bay. <laughs> oh wow. Y'all haven't even looked at East Bay's site in years. Hey, look. Oh, you would love it. All I know is that beginning of football season, I had my whole outfit done, ready to go from East Bay. Like, that was the one time I had to have the freshest cleats in the world. Like, look, my high school colors were red and black. You could not touch my cleats in high school. Nobody was done. Like, yo, I had, I had, the, I had the name etched into mine. Had to have it happen, dude. Nike ID. 
I had the nickname In the Shoes. In the Shoes, Chris. <laughs> I ain't have anybody else's name. I wasn't wearing Jordans. I was wearing AJs. He's <laughs> <was> wearing AJs. <laughs> AJs. I ain't need nobody else's. I think when we look at it, uh, we have a lot of different options that are laid out for us. It's up to us to determine the, the direction we go in. Baseball season, yeah, I wanted the freshest things out, but usually I was, yeah, like AJ said, towards the latter part of, of uh, my high school career, yeah, my, my father kind of splurged on me a bit and allowed me to, to stretch out and, and get the King Griffey Juniors. And that was through East Bay uh, and Sports Authority. But usually, as long as I had a good pair of Nikes, uh, in terms of athletic gear for, for baseball in particular, the cleats, uh, both um, the rubber cleats and the metal cleats, that's all I needed. Everything else was was a non-factor for me. Right. And so, you know, once my son starts getting into sports, it'll be the same thing. He'll get Nikes. Um, not to discount any other brands out there, but I, I think Nikes kind of set the bar. I think you can agree with me, AJ, in terms of the, the athletic wear that they put out there for sports like baseball and football. Uh, I think other brands such as Adidas and Reeboks probably have their staple on, you know, soccer and, and, and other fields. But I think when it comes to baseball and football, uh, the main two brands that you'll see are Nike and Reebok. Yeah. I Under mean, Armour. Under Armour. I'm, well, I'm, I'm sorry. Well, Under yeah. Armour has, has... I'm speaking in terms of, you know, when we were kids playing, yeah. really the only cleat you saw across the board was Nike. Right. Really. Um, and, and now, I mean, yeah, forgive me, Under Armour is very popular um, in terms of uh, baseball and football gear. Uh, they're right up there to what Easton, remember what Easton was for baseball yeah, in terms yeah. of bats, cleats, yeah, and yeah. everything? Like, Easton owned baseball for a long time, and, you know, it took a while for the Nikes and the Under Armors to break into that market just because they had cornered it for so long. Mm -hmm. um, and you're right. I mean, yeah, there, there are plenty of brands out there. Ultimately, it's the, it's the look you want to go for. What's your favorite brand of athletic shoes, gentlemen? Or just casual shoes? Something to wear around. Just kick it in. Chris, you go first this time. My favorite brand. Oh, wow. You know, I'd have to say that my favorite brand of shoes, and this will kind of tell you what kind of era I grew up in, New Balances. Like the classic New Balances? Hey, man. I will never, ever have an issue with the New Balance. Being that I grew up and, and being a person that has a larger foot uh, and a wide foot, uh, as an athlete, having a shoe that came in widths, yeah. I, I have me a couple of New Balance classics in the closet myself. So, uh, you know what? I, my hat's off to you for picking something that's a little avant-garde, a little off the beaten path. But I respect it, Chris. Myself, if I had to pick one brand of athletic shoes slash casual shoes that I love, I got to go with Puma, man. Hmm, Puma. Yeah. Puma. We haven't spoke about Puma at all so far on this podcast, if I'm not mistaken. But one of the things I love about it, man, is that they, they, they are not afraid to push the boundaries. They will try a little bit of anything when it comes to design. And uh, it's one of the few companies that offers a variety of colors in male shoes that they give in women's shoes. Like, I don't know if it was if it ever bothered y'all growing up, but why was it that women always had more colors of any shoe that they had? But we, 
we would get what red, black, blue, and white. <laughs> That's it. Right. Uh, how come I couldn't have a purple shoe if I decided I wanted to wear something purple that day? How come I couldn't have some turquoise shoes if I wanted to wear something? You know, Honestly, it's probably because the options were limited in that time frame in terms of what men wanted to wear compared to women. Women, women all okay. Put it like this: Whose suitcase is heavier, a man's suitcase or a woman's suitcase? It's a woman's suitcase because she's going to take a variety for every day, whereas a man is going to say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm done, it's packed, let's go. A woman's going to have two or three options for every day. So in turn, she may have more items for a five-day vacation than a man. So I think the reason why they were given more options and colors is because they needed it versus a man saying, hey, this is what I'm wearing, this is the color I need, and that's it. Now times have changed to where you start to see better colors and a bigger color variety across the board because of metrosexual movement and you know people just being more more advantageous in their dress versus the the gray and bland blah of the 90s so to speak but I think a lot of that comes from just a time a change in the time and how we dress If I had to go into what I feel was my favorite brand of shoe I can't help it. It's the only shoe I've ever known my entire life that ever fit this 12 and a half toe triple E foot. And, you know, it's a household name. It's Nike for me. They've always been able to, to provide me with a size 13 uh, that was comfortable, that fit well, that did not uh, deform over time as some other shoes that I've had over the years where, you know, the wear and tear of stretching that leather out with a triple E foot, you know, wears on the material. For some reason, Nikes have always stood their ground with my feet. Uh, and I think if I had to have a 1B, it would be Timberland. Um, those are the top two brands that have always been kind to me and my feet and have taken well care of them. And quite frankly, those shoes last long and I, I treat them the best. I mean, when it comes to athletic wear, honestly, uh, if I'm working out, if I'm if I'm doing some cross training, I'm I'm right there with you, man. Nikes have always been the best cross training shoes that I've ever put on. And you and I both being in the Bigfoot Club, me wearing a size 15 quadruple E at one point, <laughs> triple E now. Uh, you know what, man? They have shoes that fit me and fit me comfortably. Um, it's not easy when you're a 15 year old kid looking for a size 15, and you need something that's going. Well, not only when you're a bigger guy hold up under the wear and tear that you're going to put on it every mm -hmm. single day. Because if you can't get a pair of shoes that's going to make it through the season, it's yeah. not worth getting. It's not worth getting. It's not worth getting. And Nike has always held up to the rigors, even always. when I was 300 plus of making it and making it work when I needed it. So, so how do you balance the quality that Nike gives versus the things that people talk about in terms of the, the human the human rights concerns of Nike's practices and things like that. Okay, let me let me just say this. Every company has its secrets. Okay, the mattress you sleep on is probably made in China. Uh, the electronics that you you uh, you use were probably made in China or Mexico or Taiwan. Like it it, it kind of bothers me at times because people get so caught up in in the things. So everything was made in China, huh? I mean, for the might as well say everything <laughs> was made in China. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure at some point it passed through Chinese airspace or water or land. 
I mean, let's be serious. Like everything that that we get in this country usually is made outside of America, uh, you know, outside of a handful of things. And if you're outsourcing the jobs, the warehouses, the factories, no, they're not going to have the same standards as the U.S. But here's a newsflash, people. There are plenty of jobs inside of these borders that we call the United States that are also a violation of these same standards that you're seeing in companies that are outsourcing. So before we go and you know point the finger outside and say, hey, what are you guys doing? That's wrong. We got to look inside first and figure out, hey, why aren't we doing things right here too? Hey, you know what? You know, we haven't talked about this entire episode, man. And I am remiss because uh, there's some of my family wearing some right now. Sandals. Gentlemen, take care of your feet. You cannot be afraid to show your feet off when the summertime comes around in this oh, warm outside. Women love it. If you can expose them toes. And they look like they actually been taken care of. Oh, man, that's golden. That's like having a big bank account. Hey, I don't know if it goes that far. But... <laughs> But, no, nah, for uh, for real, man. Uh, some of my favorite shoes, man, Birkenstocks, and it goes back to high school. Uh, for anybody who's ever worn a pair of Boston clogs and you know what it feels like, man, put those things on and have them conform to your feet, yo, Birkenstocks will always be some of my favorite shoes of all time and my rainbow sandals. My my favorite is uh, the Outcast, flip-flop and sock. We get laughed about and talked about being from the South doing that. But until you've experienced a day walking around in flip-flops with socks on, you can't talk to me. Look, there was nothing better for me after a practice, you know, doing three-a-days during football camp and being in cleats all day and your feet are dog-tired than, than it was to put on some socks and some Nike flip-flops and just oh. kick it. Like, it was magical. It was magical. It really was. It really was. Come on, Chris. During, during your your uh, experience in sports and extracurricular activities, what what was your refresher when it was all said and done? How did you uh, get your feet to relax? Hmm. I like a good pair of house shoes, man. I, I and I think that's understated to have a good pair of house shoes that you could lounge around the house. Something that, you know, especially if you're in a cold weather environment, something that can really get you warm. But yeah, but I see, like a good pair of house shoes, man. I, I, but that's where I have to kind of kind of have you pause because you have a normal size foot. My foot's well, bigger than yours. No, it's, what size shoe do you wear? I wear 14. Dude, I'm in 13s by choice, and that's because Nikes make cuts that are well enough so I don't have to go up. My shoe size, and this is weird, my toe measures at a 12 and a half, but I'm a triple E. Depending on the cut of the shoe, my shoe size can range anywhere from a 12 to a 16, depending on the cut. So what I'm saying is that, it, for me, it's difficult to find house shoes that are comfortable. My foot is narrow, so I, I think that's what you're trying to get at. I have a narrow foot, so I can generally fit the house shoes a lot better, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, your your sh your foot makeup is is completely different. So, you know, AJ and I have wide feet. So, I, I think it's it's more difficult for us to find comfortable shoes, lounging shoes in particular, um outside of flip-flops simply because the, the of the way our foot is made. Right. Your narrow foot allows you to be able to get by in in the house shoes and still be comfortable because 
you know, your heel's not hanging out of the back or your, you know, the side of your foot isn't stressing the scene. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, look, man, I just, it's really not that difficult for me, man. I try a pair of shoes on. If it feels right, I'll buy them. If it doesn't, put them right back where I got them from. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that, when, you, when, but when you're shopping in person, you can do that. But I think for people like you and I, yeah. we have to be more cautious when shopping online. Oh, yeah. I definitely like to try it on in a store first and know, all right, it fits, it feels good, and then go find it for less online and find it and, and have it sent to the, to the house. Yep. Yep. That's, that's, I think, for anybody who's out there, if you can learn not to be an impulse buyer, go to a shoe store, find something that fits, go home, look it up online. 99 times out of 100, you'll find it for less expensive online than you will in a retail store. The other thing, working at Foot Locker, if you have big feet like apparently the three of us do, know that you will be out of luck if you're not the first one there. Yep. Uh, what I learned working at Foot Locker, anything above a 12, they only send one pair. And 13 is usually the max. Anything over 13 is guaranteed you'll have to get it out of the catalog. So if you have big feet uh, or you wear a larger size shoe or if you're a common size shoe like a 9 or a 10, you still need to be the first one there because that's a common shoe size. So if you have average feet or big feet, you have a dilemma on your hands. But you have to make sure that you put yourself in a position to be successful by doing your homework, going to the store, finding the shoe. And then once you find the shoe, find it somewhere cheaper. Do your homework, save yourself the money, but still have great shoes on your feet. All right, listeners, it's now time for our next segment. It's called What's Your Move? You remember this when we present an outrageous situation to all of the guests and the hosts and try to get a response out of them. Say, you know, what's your move? What do you do in this situation? And it's time for you to write in, tell us who gave the best answer and who gave the most awesome answer. What's your move? So, D, do you have a what's your move for us? Um, I think it's it's kind of similar to a situation that happened uh, today, as a matter of fact. Let's say you have a young lady who's uh, very attractive, uh, is really feeling you. She wants you to hang out with her, okay? She invites you to a house party. At this house party, the age gap between you and the people there, the average age, is about eight years plus. You're really feeling this young lady and want to spend time with her. So, ladies and gentlemen, what's your move? Do you attend the party with her knowing that that eight-year gap could potentially be a problem? Or do you go in with the knowledge that, hey, I have more experience and I'm older than everyone here, so that gives me an advantage in terms of knowing what to pursue if I choose to pursue? What's your move? I think as an older gentleman, you don't need to seek the approval of 21 and 22-year-olds to get to this girl. So I'm not sure that going to this party is actually the right move. In fact, I, I think you might be setting yourself up for disappointment. You know, I don't I don't want to be the old dude around all these young cats and and I know how I was back then 
I definitely try to get on the old dude. So I think, you know, you there are better ways for you to try to do that. Try to get yourself in an environment where you have a good mix of older and younger people. That way you have an environment that's good for you both. But yeah, I wouldn't go to that party. That's my move. AJ, what's your move? Yo, if I decided to date somebody that was eight years my junior, um, first off, she, she'd have to be a, a young lady that is mature beyond her years uh, to begin with. And what I would want to do is expose her to some things that she may not be exposed to on a, on a daily basis. It's not going to be my goal to have her bring me down to her level, to, to where she's at, but to enhance her life, to bring her to a new level, to change her understanding and her and her, uh, her perspective. So I would want to expose her to more rather than have her take me to the same old parties I did and went to when I was 21, 22 years old. I would I would refrain from hitting that one up. Okay. Well, seeing how both of you all gave horrible answers, I'm going to give the actual correct answer because any man that was a senior in high school at some point in his life looked at the incoming freshman and at least had the thought of, who shall I pursue? You don't have to admit it. You don't have to agree with it. We're all men. We're predatory at some point in our lives, some longer than others. I know it happened. Me personally, although I would go to the party, it would not be to spend time with her. It would be to pick out future victims. Yes, I said it. I'm sorry. <laughs> But we're just going to be honest here. That big of an age gap, how serious could it really be or get? So for me, yeah, I'll go if it means that you're in a comfort zone and, and, and that's something that benefits you at the moment. That's fine. Because I think that, you know, in all situations, there's give and take. I'll go, but my intent, hey, you go have your fun, do you, because I'm going to do me. I'm going to pick out my next three or four victims. And, you know, over time, I'm going to build them up. We'll go hang out to the movies, whatever. And when the time is right, I shall capture the flag. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we, we got this question move. You vote on who gave the best answer, who gave the most awesome answer. I think it's pretty obvious who's going to get each of those titles. <laughs> I don't want to play against D anymore, man. <laughs> this ain't fair. <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't count when you have absolutely no filter and you don't think about the things that you say and how it actually will, like, people will see it in real life. I, I just don't. But, I mean, but let's be serious. Okay, Chris, you and I went to the same high school, okay? We don't have to say the name of it. But what was one of the biggest trends for seniors at that time in high school? For a lot of them, it was who can bag the baddest freshman. Am I right or am I wrong? You're right. I have a little anecdote about that one, but I'll let you proceed. You know, and, and it was kind of sad because initially I never understood why it was such a big deal until I myself caught was caught up um, in, in a game of emotion and lies with the freshman and that my poetry was used by one of my senior classmates to woo a freshman. He got caught in his line. She found out it was me and wanted to pursue something with me, but I decided that it just didn't feel right. And then with me graduating, knowing I was going out of state for college, it just wouldn't be fair to her. But I think it's, it, I think it's funny that, you know, we try to pretend like that predatory sense isn't there, especially in high school, because that's, 
for for most men, that's when you're hitting your sexual prime, and you're for some most of us, you're getting your first sexual experience, your first full sexual experience. So I I think it's funny and ironic that we kind of shy away from it, like we wouldn't think like that. I know we would. Let me hear your side of it, Chris. Well, I'll just I'll just bring it in the form of another what's your move question. So you know there is this environment as seniors. There is a contest of sorts on who can bag the the baddest freshman. What if you were in a situation similar to mine where you happen to get a jump start on the freshman by hanging out with an 8th grader while you were a junior? You knew she was going to be the baddest freshman coming into that class. Do you take advantage of the situation when you become a senior to win? To absolutely win the contest by taking advantage of your prior relationship with this incoming freshman. I just want to say What's that, that is extra predatory. You should never hang out middle school. I'm sorry. That's just that's just wrong. <laughs> Dude, that's that that shit is disgusting, period. Yo. Okay, you, okay. Let are, me let me qualify this. Let me qualify you are this. A, a kid in high school right now. I don't care if you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior. If you were talking to a child in middle school, slap the hell out your own goddamn self. Okay, I will say, I did slap myself. I will qualify this. I met this girl. She told me she was a ninth grader. Ah, uh, so you were misinformed, I was misinformed in terms of what grade she was in. Exactly. See, that's, 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 that's not your fault. You know, women lie about their age all the time. And let's be real, women tend to mature a lot faster than men do, especially at that age. There are some, un- unfortunately, there are some young ladies that are walking around looking like grown 25, 26-year-old women. So I'm not surprised that you got fooled. That has happened to the best of us. Um, now, that is question- a different situation than if you are knowingly kicking it with an eighth grader. Exactly. Hoping that the, the next year... It will pay dividends for you in the freshman class. That's terrible. But here's to the take question. advantage of it, though, would I do it? Yeah, exactly. Hell yes. And I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> As a man, okay? To Shane ATL. To, to know that you've been able to not only get the baddest freshman, but that you have an advantage over everyone else does one thing. It proves your prowess to the kingdom. You are the top dog. Because you've done your homework. You've already set the foundation before she gets there. And you've been able to school her to say, hey, you're going to get approached by a lot of people because you're beautiful. You're going to be one of the cutest females up there. You're clearly going to be one of the baddest girls in your class. So she's going to look to you for more than she would anyone else because you've already established that relationship with her beforehand. Now, the reason why I say hell yeah to take advantage of it, because in life, how many times... Have women done the same thing to us? <laughs> but D, your your example here sounds like a more altruistic type thing where you're trying to help Look, her and she's helping you. My thing was that I just wanted to win that contest. And I knew I had the inroads. Gentlemen, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Who was more respected in high school? The senior that pulled a freshman in high school or the senior that pulled a freshman in college. What happened to being impressed and interested in older women and having enough swagger, not swag, swagger 
to pull one. You know what? You have to ask the system. I think it's the, the maturity and the mentality of those kids. When I was a freshman in high school, I bagged a senior from the rival high school. That, that was not only nice, that was exceptional. Because she's not just a senior. She's a senior from the rival high school. Mm -hmm. That's bad. My freshman year in college, I pulled a grad student within the first three months of being on campus. I wasn't out trying to do these things. I wanted to get that older woman because there were things that she was more open to that I had no idea about. But at the same time, I think you also want someone that you can help train and teach, whether it be for your own amusement temporarily or for someone else. The floodgates cannot happen unless somebody raises the gate. I'm not going to tell stories, but I know about some other people who had a procl proclivity for older women at one point in time. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. I think, uh, to answer your question, though, AJ, I think that the, the, the energy is still there. But I think older women have kind of masked their ideals. Uh, you, you have the websites for, like, cougars and stuff like that now. Older women don't play games. They, they're, they they're, let you know what they want. They're after one thing and one thing only, and whatever it is, they'll let you know what that is, uh, whether it's companionship, sex, whatever. They'll let you know. Yeah. A lot of times it, it boils down to them wanting to feel young again uh, and to relive potential moments that they missed out on because of whatever was going on in their life at the time. But ultimately, yeah, they're going to be straightforward and let you know. Um, does that make them less attractive? No. Honestly, true story. When I was a sophomore, that just let me know she know what she want out of life. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a seventh grader, I had a high school senior that I was talking to. And we connected on so many levels that she actually wanted to marry me. Excuse me. I, I just want to go ahead... You know, I understand that this is a forum where you only hear our voices, you don't see our faces. Uh, Deshane has looked like he was 43 years old since the age of 11. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not unusual to hear him pulling a senior in high school when he was in seventh grade. I'm just going to uh. say that. <laughs> You're horrible. Okay. okay, so my stature has always allowed me to run with an older crowd, whether I fit in. Uh, physically or not, maturity. Uh, I, I was more speaking about the Benjamin Button disease that you have. <laughs> <laughs> go, go to hell. How about that? Go to hell. Uh, All right. So regardless, guys. I never get a man, man. I'm re always <laughs> Regardless, guys. The question is, let's you know, let's not say older or younger women, but would you take advantage of a prior relationship to win some glorified contest? If I was having a down period in life, yes. To prove I still got it, yes. It would be done. And I would even go a step further, Chris. I would try to have a pair of her panties hanging off of the rearview mirror of my car, playlistic-like. <laughs> How about that? AJ? No. I've never felt or subscribed to all this fair and love and war, man. I play by the rules, man. I play fair. No, you don't. I don't. I don't mess people over like that. I don't play with people's emotions. I don't play. I just look. I never take advantage of a of, of a relationship in order to get something. I'm not that selfish. I just it's, it's not in me. Your friends are though. Yep. Never mind. That's neither here nor there. What about you, Chris? You know what, man? In that case, yes. 
if it was something that I wanted so badly, I wanted to stick it to someone so badly, I would take advantage of that prior relationship. Now, I would actually tell her that I was doing it. And if she was cool with it, then that's even better, right? <laughs> what the? See, yeah, it is. You know what? Let me, okay. But, okay, let, let's let's bring it more realistic. Let's take the the fantasy portion out of it. Did you take advantage of the situation? I did exactly what I just told you I would do. And she was fine with it. It was terrible. Y'all, y'all are terrible. <laughs> y'all are the reason I don't want to have a daughter. Uh, no, we're the reasons you should want to have a daughter because we can explain these type things so that she is well aware because you clearly have not been expressed or exposed to them. But see, what so you, you have to remember... disadvantage of keeping her out of the lion's den. So. <laughs> what you have to remember here is that she did also lie to me about her age. So we had to compromise on a point. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> this sounds like a uh, music soul child. <laughs> she was 17. <laughs> oh, this is too funny. But no, I, I, I honestly, but you know what, though? We had another situation, Chris. You remember the 21-year-old the senior yeah. that was at our high school? Yeah. In the state of Georgia, once you reach the age of 21, if you have not graduated, they pretty much kick you out of school and you have to earn your GED. During my later years in high school, there was a gentleman my junior year. He was still in high school. He was a senior. He was 21 years old. And he was known for bagging freshmen across the Atlanta public school system. It didn't matter if they were at our school or other schools. But his unique situation also gave him an advantage compared to other upperclassman in that he was already 21. How so? so How was that an advantage and you're 21 what? in a college in a high school senior? In the sense of there was advantages that he had that uh, regular high school seniors did not. Because he was 21 in the state of Georgia, that's the legal drinking age. He was able to purchase alcohol. Like I'm, look- I'm looking at it in terms of what he was doing. He didn't graduate not because he wasn't smart enough. He didn't want to. You said he, he, enjoyed, he enjoyed the game of trying to bag freshmen and deliberately kept himself in high school just so he could continue playing the game. So you're saying he was 21 years old bagging 14-year-old girls. <laughs> That's called pedophilia. Yeah, that sounds terrible. That's illegal. Again, I'm not justifying what he did. I'm merely letting it be known that one, it was happening, and two, I know the reason behind why he wanted it to happen. Why did you not report him to the police for really? That's that's called statutory rape. Are we mixing in really dude here? Really dude? <laughs> 21 bagging 14 year olds. He was if that's my daughter, and I find out that this Negro had been trying to mess with my 14 year old daughter and he's a 21 year old grown man. He's about to have some problems. He he was reported. The only reason I'm not saying what I would do is because I don't want to be implicated later in life. <laughs> That's real. Yeah. But, Chris, was he not reported several times? Yeah, he was reported, I will say. He was reported. Yeah. The problem was is that, one, the freshman females would never actually tell on him, so it was merely word against word. 
The second thing was that he was able to put himself in a position to where he was not the only one around her so that it didn't look Did he ever graduate? Did this gentleman ever graduate? Did he get his No, he was he was put out before he could graduate. Yeah. Because of because of that. Because of him chasing freshmen, he was actually put out of school. All right, guys. Listeners, best response, most awesome response. So here's the final what's your move, guys. And this is specifically about a situation where you are in a business and you have clients, you have business associates, you have people that you work with. But there is one particular young lady with whom you've had a relationship prior to you being in this business. But now you've rekindled that relationship while being in the business. And it it wasn't necessarily a romantic relationship at the time but it has developed into that now so let's say first you're breaking a cardinal rule of of dating someone that you're working with mixing business and pleasure exactly but now it has come to the point where you've been dating for a little while and she decides to propose marriage to you and this is random this is unprompted she's proposed marriage to you what do you do First, this is D. First thing I'm going to do is is try to figure out what's going on in her life to make her propose. Because as old-fashioned as I would say 80% of the world is, for a woman to propose, that's pretty serious, first of all. Um, but that, that also leads into several other questions as well. Um, what made her get to this point? Is she feeling as though we're both at a level to where I would be comfortable with her asking this question? Is it something that would enhance uh you know the business relationship is this something that could potentially destroy the business relationship i think you end up having more questions than answers and ultimately i would have to pause and you know try to figure out what her mind where her mentality is um what made her get to that point to propose to me not to say that i I wouldn't want that because i think secretly every man would want a woman to propose to him in the sense of that it shows her level of, of love and affection because ultimately, uh, you know, as we were raised, men are the ones that are supposed to uh, be direct and ask that question uh, when it comes to, to marriage. So I think ultimately you have to kind of ask some questions to get some answers before you can really give her an answer in response. I think that I would, you know, let her know that I need some time to think about the, the proper response uh, in fairness to all parties involved. And I would hope that she would be understanding enough to understand that, you know, what she's asking for uh, is both unorthodox and unprecedented in the sense that, you know, you're taking an ultimate step, but it started with the violation of the rule in mixing business and pleasure. What about you, AJ? Well, you know, you know me. It's always about context. How did she ask me? <laughs> Okay, let's let's say since since you all are dating, uh, you get it via text message early in the morning. Wow, uh, text message early in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, um, first off, if you're text messaging me uh, a proposal, let's let's go ahead and put the pause button on on that right there. Uh, that's a no. <laughs> like, let's be real. Um, you know, I understand that there are double standards and there are things that women can get away with that men cannot get away with, but this is not one of them. If I ever 
was so ridiculous that I thought I could get away with proposing to a woman through text message, I would get cussed out in a heartbeat. So if you if you want to be serious about proposing to me, this is something that you need to do in person and you need to to make sure that you you look, I want the romantic overture. If you're gonna propose to me, I wanna feel like I'm special. Right? Cause I am. Ladies. Um but you know what? If uh if she hit me with the text, I'ma hit her back and I'm gonna be shexting when I do it. Uh shexting. Chris? Is that the Urban Dictionary <laughs> word of the day? Shexting. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I think that's an Urban Dictionary. You guys, word of y'all day. haven't heard, y'all haven't heard this one before. I have no idea. What that Never is. heard it ever. The Urban Dictionary word of the day is. All right. Enlighten us, please. All right. Shexting. The Urban Dictionary word of the day. Texting your friends or loved ones, even your annoying coworkers, whilst taking a dump on the porcelain throne. <laughs> I think I know where you're going. <laughs> Using doing a number two while texting equals shexting. Robert got an important text while on the throne, so was forced to use his sh- shexting method. If you're going to propose to me through text message. I'm going to respond in the most disrespectful way I could possibly think of through shexting. <laughs> That's right. This is how much I think of your text. But how, do, how does someone know that you're shexting? They don't. But you just get to think in the back of your mind uh, that I'm disrespecting the hell out of you right now by interacting with you while I am on the porcelain throne. The worst is when people actually are on the phone having a conversation while on the phone, while on on on, on that throne. Uh, oh, that's terrible! Why would you say that? Why would you make oh, those sounds? Wow. Why would you pick this moment to become Michael Winslow from Police Academy? <laughs> this is awful. Now I'm going to have this thought in my head for the rest of the night, Chris. Splash. <laughs> Flash, flash. <laughs> right, there you go, dude. Logic. It doesn't matter how old we get. Fart and shit jokes are still hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> still funny as hell. Women, get used to it. We will forever laugh oh. at this humor. I'm sorry. Oh my god, that's so funny. Yo, when's the last time y'all Dutch oven somebody? Wait, is this a double? Double R. <laughs> double R today. Wow. Wow. Oh, snap. All right. Let me look it up so I can give the proper definition. Dutch oven. Oh, oh wow. wow. I just want to give this to my, uh, I want to I go ahead and uh, give credit to my high school experience uh, and some of my classmates for introducing me to what a Dutch oven is. Oh, Lord. The act of trapping a person under the bed covers after releasing bio-ass fumes. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Dave vomited on the sheets while his wife gave him the White Castle Dutch oven. <laughs> you know what's funny? There was a clip on Facebook a while back 
that actually said that every man has done this and it had a video and the video clip was of a man farting and holding his girlfriend under the covers to smell it. Wow. I can honestly say I've never done that. I can't, uh, yeah, I can't say I've done that either, man. I've never done it either, but how funny would it be? Chris, you should have, you should attempt it tonight, man. Go for it. No, no. Go for it. No, you know, I'm not Look, look sometimes you have to do things for the benefit of your listeners, Chris. Okay, you need to do it and come back to us with how, how it went, how how it played out for you. It reminds me of that episode of Family Guy when they were trying to teach Meg how to get a man, and Peter <laughs> farted in the car. Ah, uh, yeah. And made her stay in the car and smell it. <laughs> That's because no one has any. Even when they take me. Meg's face and they put it next to their butt. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, so. Wow, a, a double Urban Dictionary word of the day. That that was I have to give that one to you, AJ. That was amazing. I appreciate Shexting it. Sexting in Dutch oven. So so what what would you do, Chris? I don't I don't think oh, we've heard your yeah. answer. Um, so oh wow, in that situation, and and this is specifically talking about her texting the proposal. Yeah, let like you because know, AJ wanted to get more specific. So you know, let's say that um, yeah, she texts you the proposal after, say, a night of hanging out or whatever. Like, it was heavy on her mind. Uh, you had no idea it was coming. You wake up and you have a text message saying, hey, um, I think that, you know, we work well together, that we should be married. And, you know, you have until the end of the year to give me your decision. Yeah, I would send back a text talking about, well, how about we perform the ceremony by text? Since apparently that's your thing. <laughs> I, I do think that it is uh, borderline disrespectful to send something that serious, that life-changing via text message. I must be real. But I also think that it's done because of, uh, of a fear factor, too, though. Uh, but that is not a viable excuse if I ever decided that I was crazy enough to, to propose to a woman. But, but here it is. I never said it was, but you have to look at what we live in. Chris, uh, get, chime in at any point. You know, we live in the age of technology. And quite frankly, we as human beings are tied more to our phones than we are our home address. Right? Whatever happened to being romantic, like people will break out their phones to look up how to do things versus trying to do it on their own via trial and error. People make reservations on their phone. People put it like this. If you take a person's cell phone and tell them they have seven days to function without a cell phone... I guarantee you nine out of 10 people would not be able to do it because they're so entrenched. Their lives have become so intertwined with their phone. They've become one. So for her to send it via text message, although I don't agree with it, I can kind of understand why she would do it. People propose sex via text messaging uh, and, and other things. Am I right? That's true. Now, that doesn't uh, necessarily mean that it's... is not marriage. Okay, like, don't, don't let me I finish. I am not about to ask somebody to spend the rest of their life with me through a text message. Hey, uh, I don't know if you had any other plans today, but uh, how about we just go ahead and get married? In the immortal words of 3-6 Mafia, kill yourself. But you know what's funny? In today's society, some people would find that acceptable. Again, I'm not saying it is. I would not do that myself. But there are some people that would find that acceptable and would, you know, respond to it. These people boggle the mind. I'm telling you, man, them thoughts, man. I don't think it's meant for everyone to understand, though. That's just like, okay, let me ask a question. (laughs) 
for for you, Chris, you 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 had a wedding ceremony. Do you think that your situation and of course you kind of exhibit everything that that a lot of us want in terms of your professional career and how it hasn't rendered you the amount of debt that uh, just a college education has for most. <laughs> um, do you think that your situation, i.e. your family uh, or loved ones, do you think they would have been okay had you gotten married at the courthouse and just had a reception and not a wedding? I'm telling you, man, I would have been happy to save all the money that a text message ceremony would have cost me. <laughs> Do you know what I could have done with that money? <laughs> uh, what could you have done with that money, Chris? I have no idea how much you spent on your wedding, even though I was part of it. Okay, it was a hell of a lot. I'm not going to say a number, <laughs> but it was a hell of a lot. And yeah, I, I would have been, I would have had a house, car, probably two cars. <laughs> <laughs> with what we spent on our wedding. And, hey, you know, was we, it worth it, Chris? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Don't because worry about it. Your, your, your wife isn't listening. We have two big families and what we got back in terms of monetary gifts from our families ended up paying for the wedding so I, I think that was fine we just had to make the initial investment for that but what we got back was sufficient enough to help us pay for it yeah we could have saved a lot of money definitely if we had just done like a text message wedding apparently that that's what this girl wants so you know but... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm 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 at the point in life, you know, getting older in age and marriage is, has come up a lot for me. I think for me, and this is definitely something that I know she would have to be comfortable with. I'm I'm getting to a point to where I feel like um I would be okay with just having uh, you know, a ceremony at the courthouse and then having a nice reception. Justice of the peace. I, I think that ultimately you you still get the same great reception uh the ceremony is still just as sacred as it would be with you know the large families but the other reason behind that is i don't my circle is so small uh and my family those that you know the ones that that i do still communicate with is so small i feel like they would be better served at a reception than they would uh you know going through an actual ceremony and yeah, then reception but the, but the reception is the expensive part like the wedding didn't cost that much for us it was a reception right but if come on man you well if you have the right situation, I think that you can come out better doing that than having the entire thing, the ceremony and the reception. Yes, the ceremony doesn't cost that much, but, you know, depending on your situation, how large the wedding party is, if you have to fly people in, like, it, it can get up there. Uh, so can the reception. And don't get me wrong, I think that both parts are equally expensive. But if I don't have to spend thousands of dollars on a dress, thousands of dollars, like, I'd even put that money towards a house honeymoon like something but i don't think that you would have to go all out if you can be resourceful and be able to redirect where you spend your money man this is a dude logic moment then so for all the dudes out there if you're going to finance your own wedding such as something that we had to do and you know like the bride's parents aren't taking care of it you finance your own wedding just go ahead and tell your family members straight up we want money as a gift. Don't get us anything on a registry or anything like that. We want money. You're trying to recoup a lot of that money that you're putting into it, man. Start your family. You can get the stuff later. Start your family. Get that nest egg going. Peace, baby. Yeah. 
if, if you can save money by going to the justice of the peace and it's acceptable um, in our case we have large families we're not gonna all crowd up into the justice of the peace office so, try to <laughs> you know well your mom probably would have killed you anyway if you would have done that so yeah. you know but it, it, if you can save as much as possible and you could ask for monetary donations, if you feel tight enough with your family to be able to do that, then absolutely do it. Because you can go on a honeymoon with that money. You can get a house, do a down payment on a house. You can get a car, whatever with that money. But a blender, how many blenders can you get and how long is that blender going to last? <laughs> Microwave, toasters, stuff like that. Come on, man. That stuff you can get yourself. Very true. Very true. I appreciate that, sir. When I get married, I will expect nothing but cash from the two of you. By the hey, time you I'm get married, get by the time you get married, let's hope Chris and I are still alive. No, no by the time you get married, will we still be using cash? <laughs> <laughs> you two have no faith in your boys, man. No faith. Uh... Okay, ladies, which one of you out there is going to prove these two gentlemen wrong? Well, first they have to come deal claim with your prize. They have to come deal claim with you. your prize. They come, have to deal with you. Come, come claim your prize. That's all I'm saying. All right, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, this is the what's your move? Who gave the best answer? Who gave the most awesome answer? You decide. Smash, smash and grab. That's all I'm gonna say. Smash and grab. <laughs> all right, listeners, it is time for. AJ's Gripes. It's your favorite segment, AJ's Gripes. You know where AJ goes off about something that bothers him. So, what's your gripe today, AJ? AJ's Gripes. AJ's Gripes. You know what my gripe is today, Chris? That I really don't have anything to gripe about. You know? Life is good. So, today... So, you're griping about not having a gripe? Hey, man, you know, it's it's hard when you're expected to gripe about something week in and week out. And you know what? Today, I'm just running short of reasons to be upset in life. So I'm going to bring a new segment today. Rather than AJ's gripes, we're just, we're just going to be, you know, I'm hyped today. I'm feeling good about life. So we're going to call this AJ's Hypes. So today, I am hype about the opportunity to just wake up and enjoy great weather. You know, we've had a little spell here in Atlanta of some cold weather recently, and it seems as if it might be gone for good. And it's been really nice, it's been warm. I've been I've had the opportunity to go hiking. I've had the opportunity to get out and, and exercise outside, get some fresh air. It's been really cool. And, you know, I just feel like I'm blessed to have had the opportunity to wake up and enjoy life. So I'm hype about life right now. And that is AJ's Hypes for the week. AJ's Gripes. AJ's Gripes. AJ's Gripes. All right, we had a good show today. We once again like to thank our guest, D, for coming on. Thanks again. Thanks again. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Deshane ATL, D S H A N E ATL on Twitter. Follow me, I'll follow you back. And don't forget to uh, hit up Dude Logic. You want me on more often? Let me know. I'm all for it. Love you guys. I love the show. I love being able to come on and express myself. So I thank you for that. Love and peace to everybody. As always, you can reach me on Twitter at AJ's Meltdown. That's A J S M E L T D O W N. 
at Instagram at AJ underscore the underscore trainer. And on my blog, you can follow me at AJsMeltdown.com. Chris, tell them where they can find you, man. You can reach me on Twitter at CGSkeezy. And check out the blog, www.thelifeandtimesofthemind.com. And for the podcast, you can reach us always online at www.dudelogicpodcast.com, on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash dudelogicpod. You can, you can catch us on Twitter and Instagram at dudelogicpod. That's at dudelogicpod. Email us as well, dudelogicpodcast at gmail.com. We'd like to see those emails flowing in. For AJ, for DeShane, I'm Chris saying good night, good morning, whatever time you're listening to the podcast. Have a good one. See ya. We love you. Holler this next week, y'all.